0: Too bad. Yeah, hoping the internet holds up here. Um, well, let's get started then. It's uh, uh, hi. I'd like to welcome everyone to Nonleague Podcast. This is episode 81. Kristen Smith is on international duty again as I'm sitting in a hotel in Wales
1: tonight. And uh, here in Bracknell, Berkshire, as ever, it's me, James Bartopy, on my own with the kiddies, so hoping that they don't wake up while we're doing this.
2: And just a bit further along the M4, back in Western London, it's me, Rob Overfield, looking for a good evening to chat about everything lovely. And over in Essex, it's me,
3: Dave you're in. looking forward to chatting about the managerial
0: merry-go-round. There's a lot of news on that front today. Yeah, I think you're right there, Dave. I don't think there's much much else uh, we can really talk about. So there was a little snippet that. Has only just come in that Libs posted just to mention. Um, it's about FC United of Manchester. Uh, their goalkeeper appears to have been at the end of uh, some beating on uh, Saturday night, which uh, is, is not good.
3: Yeah, it's followed end of season awards they of some sort.
1: Yeah, it's not good, is it? I mean, he's horrible. Oh. Yeah, he's. Won what was I think five awards was it I think he won players was it players' player of the year sports player of the year something like that and then he won a few uh, a few other fan awards as well and then yeah I mean he doesn't seem like he even remembers too much of it he he left the ground got in a taxi and then woke up covered in blood by the sound of it so it would from that you would gather that maybe attack from attack from behind sort of things so, yeah shocking news because he's been you know he's been a stalwart at the club.
2: It's a kind of yeah,
0: thing you it, don't want to read about. It's very strange um, going on, obviously, uh, with all the things that happened there at... Uh, at uh, FC United last year they've had to postpone all their end of season stuff until uh, very recently and uh, yeah that's the the sad news coming out of uh, Manchester so I think it uh, broke yesterday but um, actually the, the other thing just to well mention that is that in the battle of the landlords versus former tenants um, I think Stalybridge won didn't they Um at the weekend?
1: They did, yes. Yes, they beat, I think it was just the 1-0 and uh, it's a bit of a... Well, Dave, Dave mentioned it to me. Uh, this Earlier today, he was saying about a drop-off in FC United's form and uh, yeah, it seems like they're finding life a little bit difficult at the minute in the national notes. I'm
0: just wondering whether they ended up going to the wrong dressing room and that's why they got a bit confused when they were there. <laughs> I think as, you've, as we've already mentioned, uh, Dave... I think uh, the top stories this week really involve fun and games as we normally expect in the managerial merry-go-round, where we've got two higher-profile departures, um, I would say, um, where a sh- refu- uh, reshuffles at uh, Kid and Mr. Harris who uh, look destined for the drop at this minute, and also FC Halifax so I think the one to me that's a bigger shock although reading the form is the Neil Aspen uh dismissal at FC Halifax I don't know whether one of the local lads wants to take that one first
1: uh, yeah I mean I'll jump in on that with um I do have a, a soft spot as listeners will know for uh, for FC Halifax as they are quite local to my hometown of Huddersfield um I mean it struck me, it was, a, it was a shock when I first read about it um, because, it, you know, he's been there since uh, April 2009, he took over. Um, just looking at his career record, if Wikipedia is to be believed, he's got over a 50% win rate from 270 games. Um, he got three, three promotions in his first three seasons. You know, he's really taken them to where they are now. And it seems like this is the classic case, I think, of... Um, being a victim of your own success I think you know he's he's set the bar so high for himself that as soon as you you, you perceive to dip under that then you know things things turn against you and you know you've got to remember this the sort of the players that he's brought on at that club I mean you know he told Jamie Vardy it would probably yeah. be the, the biggest one you know signing from Stocksbridge Park steals and you know the, the guy's playing for England now um
3: Lee Gregory also, who's uh, they sold for quite a lot of money to Millwall.
1: To Millwall, yeah, I remember I saw I saw Lee Gregory score um, score four goals against Gloucester City a couple of years ago, and you know he was a really really good poacher at, at that level, really really good front man, you know, he could hold the ball up and he's a really good finisher. But yeah, you're right there, Dave. That was another another highly profitable one. So, you know, he's brought in a lot of money for the club in transfers. Um, as I say, he's been there a long long time, and I just. <sighs> you know it just as like you know to say he seems to be a become a victim of his own success i know the statement that he released um wasn't particularly glowing about the club um i think basically the, the gist of it was you know he's been loyal to the club turned down plenty of offers including one from i think Port Vale a club he used to play for um i think he's a bit of a legend of Port Vale um and he's t- you know he's turned down multiple offers in his time there and he's Basically saying, when the time came for the club to support him, they haven't done. Mm. And you know, it's it's a sh- it's a shame. Um, recent form isn't good. I think it's something like two wins in twenty six. You know, they're really mired in relegation trouble at the moment. Um, so on the on the face of maybe this season, and you know the. Back end of last season, I think the the club statement says all the way back to February in different results. You could probably, you know, you could probably say it's just about justified, but you know, I, I do feel sorry for him. He's he's he can't. He's not going to be out of the game for long. I wouldn't have thought. There's going to be a, a good, a good, a, you know, a good job waiting for him. I think.
2: Mm. I mean, I think his record over the you know the last few years at, at Halifax, you know, basically guarantee he will find it'll he'll, he'll find somebody willing to give him a give him a job you know within the next couple of months i would say before christmas i think he'll be back in work um and i can understand his anger you know when you look when you look at where the, where he took you know fc halifax from from you know the you know the npl north all the way into the into conference national um i can understand why he thinks he deserves um, a little bit more in the way of you know, support. Respect, and, uh, respect yes. Um, I think he earned that through his results in the past and getting them there. So, uh, But it just goes to show in the game of football these days that support and respect are not too co- are not common commodities, especially not for managers. It all goes down to the old, old point is the fact it's a results-driven business. You don't get the results. You don't stay in the business. I
3: mean, and, I can um, be. Sorry, go
2: on, Rob. Yeah, it's one of, just one of those things. I mean, it happens to everybody in the end. Um, but you know he'll come back. He'll come back. He just has to point to the last eight, year, last seven or eight years, and you know somebody will give him a job. Be interesting think, to see where.
3: I think what James said about him being a victim of his own success is completely spot on. Um, because you look at the Halifax squad he got into the playoffs. That wasn't a expensively assembled squad at all. It wasn't a particular. Squad with particularly distinguished players in, except for Gregory. He built a very, very good unit, and I think the board judging him on that, you know, is is completely unfair because I think he definitely overachieved by getting them there at all. Mm.
2: Mm. And I think that's a sign of a really good manager when he can take a squad that's a bit indifferent and get them to, you know, to play so far above themselves that they're unrecognisable. You know, credit to him for that.
1: You know, in his time as well, you know, he's taken them um, to the, you know, the first round proper in quotation marks of the FA Cup, on top of those three, those mm. three promotions as well. And I'm just, I'm just looking when he won Division One North of the NPL, he won it with a with 100 a points, and won won the Premier, the Northern Premier Premier Division with 98. So you know, I mean, he it's and I'm, you know, it's he, he set some pretty big milestones I suppose he kind of brought it on himself didn't he and as soon mm-hmm. as things took a downturn he was always going to be under pressure after that but you know well, this, it kind of gets me the, you know, the old adage isn't it that fans are fickle, I suppose and um, you know so much success in a short space of time I mean let's not forget FC Halifax are a new club they are only was it 7 years old I think when they were yeah, 2008. They were founded after after the original Halifax Town went went belly up. They emerged. And I think they set a points record in the Northern League. I think before they got into the NPL and Neil Aspin came on board, and it's just been success after success after success for them in mm-hmm. in such a short space of time to get themselves, you know, and it, they were even in the playoffs in the in the National League to go into League Two last mm-hmm. uh, was it the season before last. Yeah. So, you know, the success has been. Unparalleled for the club and in, in any guys of the club before or after. I mean, the amount of promotions they've had, the amount of pretty decent cup runs, and you know, it's, it's a shame it's all come, come crashing down like this. I mean, I think the one thing that Neil Aspin would probably have wanted would have, would have been the opportunity to leave on his own terms, you know, mm. and unfortunately he hasn't got that. He's, you know, he's been, uh, what, five or six out of the seven years, six out of the seven years that the club's mm. been going. Oh yeah so it's uh, you know it's a, it's in terms of this entity of Halifax town it's you know it's the end of an era. and I hope I hope he's you know whoever he ends up managing I hope if he if he ends up in another national league job and uh, goes back to the share with them I hope that he gets a good reception I'm sure he will
0: mm. well, it, it would be interesting to know what the fans I know that the fans just look at the league table and say well we're sitting in second bottom and we've won once all season and we've only got six points so you you look at that but i just remember obviously Tamworth, a couple seasons ago who around this sort of time of the season changed a manager and then went on a magnificent 21 game on being run and so from a board perspective trying to play a little bit towards africa maybe that's what they're looking at well, let's just do a change. He's in stalwart, yes, and he's done great for the club. But, well, maybe it's because he's a stalwart and they're trying to just show that they've got the interest of the club at heart rather than sentiment towards particular people. Because from Halifax to come back down again, I know we're only 11 games into the season, but they're a big club. They're, they're probably they're too big... Uh, to be any lower than where they are and probably reasonable enough if they got back into League 2 then you'd see the crowds going there because the, at the weekend they, played, they were home to Southport I know fairly local uh, easy to get to for them both but it was 200 people at the Shea
3: mm.
0: so it's, it's not that they don't have the back in locally um, it's going to be interesting to see who takes on the mantle because he's going to go down in the history of uh, FC Halifax or even the old Halifax uh, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, if you're second bottom, there's only one person below you and Kidderminster the Harriers have got rid of Gary Wilde. Um, now I remember it's must have been what, two seasons ago when he actually took over the management itself. Um,
1: yeah, he was assistant, wasn't he, before that for a few years. I think twenty ten, he took, he came in as an uh, assistant, and then I think was it two thousand and thirteen or two thousand and fourteen. He, uh, yeah, March two thousand and fourteen, he became the manager. So, you yeah, he's been he's been there for for five seasons in, in a couple of different roles. So again, it's a it's another significant portion of time.
0: But is another is it, is it one of those situations where he's been involved for so long and he's tried his best and obviously they've decided, well, maybe he's not the manager they require. Um, it's kind of been an easy job for him, um, really, with the amount of off the field financial problems that Kiddie have had over the last few years. And so it must have been quite hard for him to uh, to actually come to terms with all of this. Um to, to try and even keep them in there. And he did, once again, I think it was last season or season four, they were, they were touching on playoffs, and despite all of the problems they have. And now we're looking at, okay, they've just got rid of the manager. They were um, your,
1: weren't they your pick last season, Kristen. For, yes, you know, they were.
0: That.
1: Yeah. So you keep beating um, me over the head with Telford, so I'm going to throw that <laughs> one back in there. <laughs>
0: um, he took over in 2014 after... Steve Burr left to go to Kidminster. no let's go Green. to
1: Chester. Chester oh Chester sorry yeah
0: yeah because it was one of those weird That's, things yes. I, was, I was a bit hold on Steve Burr's been sacked and they've already got a replacement in the next day I, I do recall the,
1: yes, we talked about it at the time didn't we yeah
0: because having a bit of a Steve, cynical Steve view Burr of what was going, going on.
1: on he'd come for the interview at Forest Green hadn't he and then come back in the November I think and in the March got the sack gone. yeah <laughs> yeah
3: I mean, Wilde actually was told last week that his role had changed from manager to head of football operations. So I think it's a mixture of the really poor results and also the fact that essentially he's been asked to do a slightly different and perhaps not entirely clear job. Uh, They also offered Tim Flowers the job job of, of head coach, which would be the closest thing they've got to the managerial role now. But I think he just wants to stay in uh player coaching at the club so it's quite an interesting situation i think it's it's been a mutual choice that while goes but for different reasons to why the club wanted him to go
1: yeah i think I think you're right there i mean tim Tim flowers has probably done the right thing there he probably doesn't feel quite ready to step up into the into the number one position yet you know he wants to carry on doing his coaching get his get his confidence and a bit of a you know a bit of a reputation for for the coaching side. Mm-hmm. Before, he, I'm sure he will make that step to uh, to the manager's office at some point. But you know, especially a club as troubled as Kiddie, you know, that could you know for a, mm. for a novice manager, first time out, that could really, really damage your reputation if if you take that and it goes horribly wrong,
3: mm.
1: more, more horribly wrong, mm. more horribly wrong. Yeah, oh, but I mean,
3: that is mm. fire job.
1: Yeah, it, that's the thing. You know, mm. you know, if if he's the man that takes Kidderminster down into into step two, it's. It wouldn't be a good thing for him to recover from on his CV. It, you know, really, you, it really. They need an experienced man in there.
2: Mm. It's definitely the type of position that needs somebody who's, in many respects, been there, seen it, and solved it, and knows how to get out of that situation. Somebody who's got the respect of the players. Somebody who's seen a bit of life in many respects. Um, I mean, the, you
1: know, the, first, the first name that comes up me. Isn't going to happen, would be one like, in the mould of a Paul Fairclough, you know. But obviously, being yeah. England's C manager, and I think I don't know if he's still involved with Barnet or not, but you know, as you say, Robbie fits that build as you know, that mm. sort of manager, you know, massively, massively respected, huge mm. amounts of experience in that division, and absolutely top quality manager, but mm. obviously that's just a name that popped into my head straight away for for them to be looking at that sort of manager. Obviously it won't be him, but he's the sort they need to be, they need to be looking at to get them out of this. A firefighter is what they need. Yeah, they
2: do.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely going to be one of those uh, poison chalice positions, um, especially with the off the field problems that uh, Kidman's are having at the second. But uh, speaking of off the field problems, I, I do recall a story, I don't think we actually spoke about it, but uh, we came out on about the ninth of September about Torquay. And uh, Dean Edwards, who's the director of football, I believe, um, he said that uh, former clubs looking to, former employees are looking to take the club to court and something that could spell the end of the club mm-hmm. um and this week they've announced actually that uh, the manager paul cox has resigned only three months into the job for his uh, personal reasons um which i'd never like to speculate what they are but you can't help it um so mm-hmm. it would it would be uh interesting because uh, quoting from the western morning news the announcement follows a meeting between cox uh, and the club about off the field issues that took place on thursday uh, and i'm just trying to find the date of this article i'm reading which uh, the internet connection in this hotel is very slow could be because i'm in rural wales
1: <laughs> could Well, be. i didn't even get mobile signal when that last time i was in rural wales
0: I don't have a mobile signal, uh, but I do, so I don't even have a backup. Um, this this article was posted on the 18th, so uh, I'm only th- I'm only thinking that maybe the two could be related.
1: Mm. Well, possible. I mean, I'm. It's quite a, a departure for him. Is um, is talky I mean, you know, he's, a, he's born in Nottingham. Um, he, you know he's managed Eastwood. He's managed Mansfield, as we know, got Mansfield back into the league, and he got the um, the Aston Martin off his chairman, wasn't it? I think he got as a as a bonus because they were six 0 up at half time or something in the game. And, it
3: he, was sorry, it was because they beat Barrow six nil or six one one yeah. year, and then they beat them by a goal more the following yeah, season. That,
1: yeah, that's right. And then he gave me Aston Martin. I said, mm-hmm. yeah, I wonder if he still got that. But, um, I mean, you look at the clubs even he's played for, it's, you know, it's Notts County, Hull City, Kettering, Halifax, you know, it, Torquay's quite a long way south from those. Um, mm. So, you, you know, when you're talking about personal circumstances, it could just be purely homesickness, geographic, you know. I mean, we, we hear about it all the time, don't we? You know, um, I have heard reports that he's been offered... Uh, off, for, um, three or four jobs you know three or four clubs have approached him strong rumours are that one of those is Halifax um, been an ex- ex-player there as well it's obvious link um, okay, but, home. yeah well that's the thing and it, the, the thing is he's he wasn't under contract at Torquay he was basically on expenses um, and I think reading the statements from the club that have come out he basically went to them and said you've got I want to change the situation I want a contract you've got 48 hours to, to decide whether that's going to happen or not or I'm gone and that came up on the uh, I think that was Tuesday last week and you know they didn't come forward with the contracts um, and so that was it he was gone on the Friday um, mm-hmm. but I mean from, from his from Paul Cox's point of view you know look if he's getting job offers that involve contracts then he's got to look after number one he's got to then go to his club and say you know give me a contract or I'm gone he's probably not going about it the right way um you know he maybe could have gone in and said I've got these offers you know I'd like to stay here but I'm going to need the security of a contract and um, think... sorry go on Dave.
3: sorry I was just going to say I think my connection's about a second behind so I keep interrupting, I'm sorry about that. But, um, I was going to say, um, I spoke to Andy Priest, who's manager at Airbus UK now, uh, this was a couple of months back, and he managed at Northwich. He was saying it's it's quite difficult to focus on building your squad when you're not on contract, because they basically had him on a rolling weekly wage for about three years, and just weren't in a position to offer him a contract. And uh, he did a brilliant job there, really professional job, really well. But it must be difficult to try and build a side kind of feeling, you know, managerial roles, there's always quite a lot of pressure in football, you'll get sacked. But if you basically don't have a contract from week to week, it must be quite hard to kind of plan for the future and things. And so it's, mm. in that sense, it's no surprise. Paul Kutz has maybe gone after about three week, three months, sorry, or whatever.
1: Yeah, that, that's uh, because when it comes to signing players, how would you convince them to come if they... Signing for you, but you could be gone tomorrow because, as you say, you're no contract. Mm. So it, you know, it, I don't, I don't think. I mean, the club are pretty much coming out and and obviously defending themselves, saying that they had agreements to talk to talk to Paul Cox in October. He's come to them in September asking for a for a contract, but you know, it's only a couple of weeks difference. Mm. So you know, if they if they wanted to keep him, they could have done. But I mean, there are strong rumors that the strong reports that talk in dire financial
2: oh well,
0: mm. news news has broken today that uh, dean edwards who's their director of football has resigned as well yeah so uh oh dear
2: it's, That's it's definitely, really that's definitely gone and well i won't say illustrated the problem but it's definitely made a big suggestion about um the possibility of talking not having much of a future
3: he was interviewed on the, um, the BT sport highlight show at the weekend, Edwards, and he looked incredibly fed up. And I, I just thought that's quite interesting. Now it just reminded me, he just looked like mm. a, a man bereft of a, you know, belief.
1: Mm. I mean, they, I think I read somewhere before that they need to get crowds of 1800 just to approach break even. And mm. Without looking too far into it, I'm not.
0: 2006, f- according to football web pages so far.
1: Well, that's their average. That's their average, yes. So uh, just about mm. making a tiny, tiny profit. Um, there is, there is talk that they're um, they're going to look at maybe becoming fan-owned, um, going down that route. But you know, potentially, uh, talk about is um, you know, do do they have the catchment area for? that. Do they have the, you know, the potential members to, to make that viable? I don't know, but you know, things are not looking, not looking too rosy on or off the pitch for, uh, for, the, for the goals at a minute.
0: True. Yeah, and just, just looking at the, the, the history over the last few years, uh, 2007 relegated uh, to the conference for the first time in the club's history. Uh, new uh, board takes over. The, two years later, they return to the Football League. Um and then uh, 2010, uh, Paul Bristow, who was a lottery winner down that way, who, who took over the club, he died and his wife takes over running it instead. They finished 19th. And basically, I'm just saying, they came down in 2014, didn't they? So it's, it's going from bad to worse for them with, uh, I think, was it three managers in the space of two, three seasons so there's no continuity there either.
3: Um, and that's not going to help your finances having to pay someone off. I mean maybe that's why they didn't give um, um, Paul Cox, sorry not Paul Cox, Paul Cox Co- the guy was at Chesterfield, Paul Cox uh, a long-term contract because if they, if they did sack him then you know the finances aren't really there to pay another manager off for mm. a year or two.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean they they also said, you know, he'd been out of the game for a few months and they can't, they, almost, they almost make it out that they did him a favor by letting him come in and working on expenses, you know. It's, it's it seems to be getting a little bit petty from both sides there. Um but I mean Talkiera, you know, a good old club, but you know, you can only you can only see this continuing downwards really. You can't you can't see an easier way out of this one for them.
2: No, it's going to be, you know, they're going to have to, again, this is another one for who needs, uh, you know, the um, fireman. Because you want basically somebody who can go there, not worry too much about the fact that he might not get paid. Might be somebody who's been around the game and doesn't really need the pay to um, basically try and keep Torquay up. I mean, they need to start winning at home, that's for sure. Um, But um, it's one thing that they've not been able to do so far this season and uh, Saturday's result did them no favours either. Uh, when you uh, when you're at home, you're playing Bromley, who uh, you know up and mid-table, and then to concede seven on, you, on your own ground, that doesn't exactly say to any prospective new managers that you've got a squad there that you know, without a st- when left to its own, you know, when left to its own devices, just falls apart like that. It's um, you know, it's it, it's tough to persuade somebody to come in. it would be interesting to see who they manage to get to come and take over.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not good, not good news at all uh, down there but you, that does lead into uh, the other parts of the programme where you've already mentioned uh, there, Rob that uh, I think your choice of team of the week with this week, Dave? Yeah, um, um, sorry.
3: No, yeah. No. I, I thought Bromley were terrific I mean, Tokyo are really struggling and defensively you know the sort of the Red Sea parted a few times, but Adam Ola scored a couple of really well taken goals, Um and Bromley just they played the ball around very well. Uh, they were first to all the 50 50s. They looked stronger, and they just they just really dropped behind the Torquay defence time after time after time. And I thought it was a really thorough professional performance right from the start. they actually went one down really early on and to mm-hmm. then pick themselves up get two quick five goals i thought it's the performance and it's such a cliche but sort of the belief and the way they played as a team and i thought they, they were worth the four goal margin to be honest
1: yeah i mean i was looking forward to watching the highlights of this uh you know i recorded the national league highlight show and then it was obviously on later than scheduled because it was the last half hour of a. Uh, it was a live game from before <laughs> it so uh, mm. uh, I, I didn't get to see the goals. I have to watch them online at some point.
0: Mm. Well, that's the thing. It's it, as you say, Dave. Uh, Torkey took the uh, the lead in the fifth minute with James Hurst, um, and then I think it's time that uh, we start talking about hat trick watch. And about now, it's time for hat trick watch. Because after Bromley, uh, Moses Ademola scored in the eighth minute to equalise. So only three minutes later, and Torquay taking the lead. Then five minutes later, he uh, scored his second on the thirteenth minute. And then just to round things off uh, on the half hour, he completed a hat trick in the first half. Uh, so it was an interesting, uh, interesting game. But also, uh, Tyrone Marsh grabs one. Just in the start of the second half, so it was still close at half time, it was like, like 3 2 to Bromley, and then all of a sudden Bromley just stepped
1: up again. Yeah, it's a, it's a great win for them, you know, put some ninth in the table, and mm. you know, maybe they can start dreaming of, of looking upwards a little bit, but mm. I mean, they, they're going to have to sort their defence out as well because mm. their goal difference is basically the goal difference from this match, you know, it's currently plus four, so. Mm. They're obviously letting in to be to be ninth and have what was an even goal difference before that. Mm-hmm. They're obviously letting in f- mm-hmm. far too many goals when they do concede. Yeah,
2: it looks like it's away from home actually, that they've got they've got issues because in the six matches they played away from home, they've scored fourteen but conceded fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> I think they need to do a little bit of work. You know, I think Matt Goldberg has some you know some work to do away from home because at home they're pretty good don't score many but have only conceded four, which is as good as you get. But to go away from home and then start leaking goals like that, it's the it's the leakiest away from you know in the entire division. And um you know, but yes, but yet they scored the most away from home in the entire division. So, you know, there's some good things there, but well, Goldberg's got some work to do.
3: They're a thoroughly entertaining side for the neutral, certainly.
2: But mm.
1: well, they were they were you know, free scoring last season, weren't they, as well, weren't mm. they? On the way up. So
2: yeah.
1: As you say, they just need to maybe work on, on that defence a little bit and mm. without taking anything away from up front. But you know, if if you'd have told Bromley fans they'd been they'd be ninth. After 11. 11 games in, I mean what well, out of a forty six game season you virtually mm. quarter of the way through you know, effectively now. So it's a very, very solid start for them and
2: mm. You,
1: there are an awful lot of oh, worse clubs than them in the division at the minute. Mm-hmm. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't think they'll be anywhere near the relegation zone.
2: And yet they're going to have to be careful about the form because when you when you actually look at the table, Macclesfield in 17th have got 13 points and um, say Eastley in 6th have got 18 points. So you've got five points between 10 places.
1: Yeah, well, and bear in mind that Macclesfield smashed Forest Green.
2: mm so well, it's a case can. of, you know, you can't rest on two or three results and then have a bad run and two or three more results. You've, they've got to be consistent and every club in the in the National League will be aware of that.
1: Yeah, this is why it's such a great division, isn't it? I mean, you know, this time last week, Forest Green were running away with it. They've lost two games, in you know, in the last yeah. four days. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they're only three points clear yeah. again, which is brilliant for the division uh, because you don't want someone oh. running away with it.
0: I do believe they're playing Cheltenham Town tomorrow, so they may not even be top. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, could,
2: I could be wrong. No, it's a possible, uh, question, because the goal difference for Ch- Cheltenham's goal difference is plus 11 and Forest Green's is plus 10.
1: It, yeah, um, they, are, they are playing them. It's, it's a home game for Forest Green. but... Yeah, so for, not too far
0: from uh, Cheltenham down there to. Uh, yeah, share that's it. not on the TV. Yeah, go down to that. Just, I just remember that was the headline I saw where somebody was saying, uh, I think it was their local paper, saying, from being sitting pretty, we're now, by Tuesday, Minomi top.
1: Oh, <laughs> and Poor, poor Kidderminster so just looking ahead to tomorrow night six. Kidderminster away at Bromwell. Uh... <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh. So, well, yeah, you know, they may be able to get a couple of goals. Uh, I'm just, just looking at altering him. Uh, minus 11. That's a. Not good, uh, good start either. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're on the other, we're on the other thing. Uh, let's go <laughs> to, uh, let's look at the hat trick, uh, tricks of the R now. I've lost my screen. Um, there were a couple in the FA Cup uh, over the weekend, and last week, uh, since the last show, uh, where Alex Reid scored in the 4-1 defeat of Shepshed Dynamo for Russell Olympic, uh, only 18 minutes in his hat trick, so it's not a, not a bad one. And James Paul at Salford City, um, he scored three of the five goals as they beat Whitby Town 5-0 away. Mm, I like (laughs) Whitby. I was waiting for that. (laughs) Um, Right, let's get a thing. We're looking down there in National South, uh, where Justin Bennett at Gosport, he grabbed his second hat-trick of the season already, Um, so it's pretty good for him. 3-1, they beat Bath, and he scored in the 91st minute, so it's another nice one. Um, Now, this was an interesting one, as far as I'm concerned, because Darlington um, are up there challenging the top of the Northern Premier League, uh, but Hyde... Scott Spenter, his, uh, him and Hyde went up to Darlington, and they beat them 3-2 in their own backyard. So there must have been some excited scenes there because he left it late to the 90th minute uh, mm-hmm. to grab his uh, goal. Those
3: now they had um, two games against each other in the space of a week because there were uh, FA Cup opponents as well.
0: Ah, OK. What was the result in the FA Cup, Dave? Do you know? Uh,
3: no, I just know a Darlow fan, so I knew... He said they are tied twice in a week.
1: So he said he would have liked something a bit more in, you know, it's Oh, in the cup. Oh, so is that I, will, I, will, I will have a look through now. Mm-hmm.
0: But just, just while I know you know a lot about the Northern Premier and around uh, the the football of that way, Dave, uh, you've got some thoughts, I believe, on New Mills uh, suffering at the hands of Bamber Bridge.
3: Um, I've I've not been to watch New Mills for a bit for about a year actually, but I was just saying, I was James the same pre-show? I, it's a club on, it's a lovely club, New Mills, but they're on quite a small budget and they have they have been struggling for a while and they only stayed up in the uh, North North um last season because of um sort of what's the word resignations from the league. So um I think. I think at the moment that level is, is a bridge too far for them, to be honest, but really, really lovely local clubs, so I'd like to like see them pick up a bit.
0: But unfortunately, uh, Bamba Bridge, who obviously uh, are one of the uh, favourites for the division, they uh, hammered them 7-0, with uh, Joseph Booth grabbing four of the uh, four of the second goals. It uh, wasn't as bad at the weekend. My uh, son's team suffered a 7-1 defeat, with one player grabbing six of the goals, all in the second half
1: as well. Oh, my Ooh. son's team did better than that. <laughs> <laughs> we got twice in the first minute and then lost 7-2. <laughs>
0: So, so let's that. let's let's move down there to the uh, Ryman North because nothing in your division this week uh, I see. Uh, going back yeah. to usual sales, you yourselves, you've had one every episode so far, so time for a
1: break. Just be, just before you do, I did just quickly have a look at yep. Darlington against Hyde. Um, yeah, on the Saturday the 12th, Hyde won three one at Darlington in the cup, and then a week later won three two in the league. So mm-hmm. both both at Darlington.
0: So uh, good excitement for your uh Dalo fan uh, <laughs> then, Dave.
3: Yeah, I don't think they will be too uh, too cheery. I hope they don't get hide in the uh, the FA trophy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> It'll be like the old um Arsenal uh Chief Wednesday Arsenal uh, Chelsea sort of games where they played everybody kept playing each other for week after yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> going to jump down there to the Ryman North where we've got a uh, player picking his second hat-trick of the season. That's George Purcell at uh, Hornchurch. They beat Barkingside 5-1. Um, another another late show though, because two goals in the last five minutes. Well, one two minutes from the end and one three minutes of injury time. Mm. And David Filar at uh, Averley. Now, they beat Roxham 5-2 at Roxham and he grabbed uh, an almost a, well, yeah, 19-minute hat-trick. So, not so, not too bad there either. All seem to be, the goal's flying in this weekend. Apart from the Southern Premier. That's two weeks now. I know they had a little break um, mm. for the FA Cup. So it's always, always sad though. But this one's an interesting one as well. It's just one of those things I find um, unusual or coincidental. Looking at... Um, I don't know, because Lib's not been able to find the first names of uh, Mandy, who plays for Charlton St. Peter. They were against Aylesbury, and they beat them 4-0, but he scored in the first minute, and then the 38th and 58th. And then Malambo at uh, Fleet Town, who were playing Leighton Town, they he beat, well, they Leighton lost 4-2, but uh, one of those coincidental things is that Lambo also scored in the first minute, which is one of those interesting little things that uh, that come across your radar from now on. Um, right, I'll let you take this one, uh, James. And all I'll say is the fifth hat trick they've conceded
1: this season. <laughs> yes, uh, poor old Bashley. It's uh, is it the fifth one. Yeah, they've come. It's such a show. They've conceded the last four hat tricks in the uh, Division 1 South and West, um, including, what was it, two, two players getting getting four against them in the same game. But uh, yeah, this, uh, this past Saturday they lost 8 uh, 0 at Banbury, um, with uh, Bell of Banbury getting, uh, getting a first half hat trick inside 13 minutes between the 31st and the 44th minute. And that 8 nil is not even their worst result of the season because when the two players got four against them, they lost that game 9-0, which was against Wantage Town uh, basically a, a month ago, pretty much to the day. Um, and as you say, it's their fifth one they've conceded this season already. they uh, they let in three to, on the first day of the season against Cinderford, a hat-trick there. And yeah, they also, James Stoke of Wimborne, grabbed one on bank holding Monday against them. So... And last season they were they were right up there with Bishops Cleve, weren't they, as they as the big hat trick conceders as they got relegated from the Southern Premes. Uh, obviously there's uh, something massively wrong at the club. I was having a look through their fixtures uh, in the, before we before we came on there and wow. <laughs> they are they are getting hammered.
2: The scary thing is that they've only played nine games. And yet they've already conceded 47 goals. Rather are the question. question. Does anybody want to try and do a sweepstick on how many poor old Boshley might concede before we get to April? Gosh,
0: well, it's 29 know. in those four games.
2: Yeah. So if you think about it, you know, if they work and say like nine games, 47 goals, five a game on average, say it gets down to three a game, they're still going to be, you know, conceding 120, 130. And who's to say it won't get worse? I feel sorry for Pro old Bashley because it's a lovely little place, it's a lovely little club, but I think the emphasis is on the little. I think for a number of years they've been punching above their weight. Oh, massively. And now they're finding out that, you know, that they haven't got the funds anymore and they can't attract the players anymore to enable them to keep punching that far above their weight. And so it looks as if there's going to have to be a little bit of a readjustment at Bashley and have to accept that in the end they are going to get relegated and, um, I'm not quite sure what league they would go back to one of the... Uh, would it be the Southern Combination, possibly? I don't know. Uh, um, knowing where uh, Bashley is in the New Forest. Uh, possibly the Southern Combination might even be with the Wessex League.
1: Yeah, I was thinking the Wessex.
2: Might be the Wessex League. So, But um, is he, I can say it's a shame, really. Bashley's one of those places that if you ever get the chance to go to a game, you really should. I mean, James and I went there for, a pre- would you believe it, a pre-season game for Hampton. And, you know, yes, it takes a bit of getting to a bit of finding. It's a lovely place to go and watch a game. It really is. It would be just a shame that in the end they finally have to admit that, you know, they can't survive at this level anymore because last season they were, you know, taken to the cleaners more often than not. And it's just continued this season, which is a shame. But Bashley but will not die. They'll still still survive at a lower level. And that's something that, you know, at least that's one, one thing to hold on to.
1: Yeah, they went. Oh, they went, they went up into th- the Southern League from the Wessex League back in eighty nine. So uh, yeah, so you'd imagine the Wessex League. Yeah, probably will be.
0: So the the thing is to me, you, you've got to come down. You've got to go down, unfortunately, to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm just looking at the Bashley website now, and <sighs> they lost three nil in a season friendly to Salisbury, So. I just, <laughs> Find that interesting. And that was a hat trick as well that they uh, conceded in that match. So <laughs> it's it's just whatever whatever they can uh will do mm. uh, to go through. So they do have uh, they've got a game tomorrow night against AFC Totten, uh that's away. And then on the third of uh, October, they are. They've got Cinder uh, the Town at home in the FA Trophy, so hopefully, you can at least have a little bit of a cup run and get a couple of goals. Mm. Yeah, well,
1: I don't know, with that hat trick they let in on the first day of the season it was against Cinderford in a 6 nil defeat. Mm. Ethan that, was, a so... way. that
0: was a way, that wasn't Fortress Bashley.
1: Mm. <laughs> Is there such a thing? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, that's the thing. Uh, we laugh when we joke, and uh, you do feel for the fans, and you feel for the players down there, because it's not what anybody wants to uh, to lose at the end of the day. Although the way some people play in certain leagues, you would uh, think different. Um, we've we've mixed it around a little bit. There is one thing before we uh, move on to and finally is just want to mention. I don't know whether you guys have a chance to read it in the rundown about Merthyr Town.
1: Yeah, this is a nice story. So I was actually thinking this could be. Uh the, the sort of and finally type because it's just a, one of those nice little stories isn't it
0: then that's what will make this to be the and finally so i'll let you
1: take it then james well it's um they've they've won the gold award for the best grassroots club in the uefa grassroots award so they, they've been given the uh, you know it's it's such an amazing award for them uh, you know best roots best grassroots club is i am um, i'm not sure is that in the whole of uefa Hold on, it might be. I'm, it looks, I believe it is. Yeah, it seems yeah, to be. a, a you, continental
3: yeah, I mean, award. You
1: think that? You think of the amount of clubs that be possibly be up for that. I mean that. That yes, must make is. whoever, you know, the people that run the club and mm. do the community projects and things like that. Mm. That must just make them so so proud. Um,
2: yeah, I mean reading the um, reading an article I've just found. Um, yeah, yeah, the best. They were named Community Club of the Year, back for the non-league papers um, National Game Awards. And to go and take that further and to actually win the UEFA Best Gra- Grassroots Club is you know really something to be proud of. And the, the citation from UEFA says the club embodies the very essence of sports and community spirit, embracing a wide target group. That's not bad. Word. That's not bad words from European's governing body. Yeah, they've got,
1: they've got a three G pitch there, haven't they? So they yeah. it says the pitch is always in use, um, mm-hmm. and basically they're using it as uh, you know to tackle mm-hmm. tackle socialists using the town, and you know and that can only be a good thing. I mean, this this is the problem with with the uh, you know with like, the the England teams that. Kids just don't go out on the street playing football anymore. Do you know they? No. they'd rather stay in and play on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I used to get in from school, have my tea, and then I'd be out until I couldn't see the football anymore because it got dark. You know, in the summer it was brilliant because that was ten o'clock at night. <laughs> but you know, you just don't you just don't get that anymore. And so for for a club like you know, for Mirtha to be to be doing this, it it is going some because. They could be renting it out all the time, and obviously they 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 even a significant amount of pitch time to you know uh, youth clubs or mm. just just people in the town to to use it. It sounds like they they are almost giving a you know giving up a lot of time for for free. By reading between the lines here, which you know is fantastic, mm. and you know it, it's such such a massive award for them, and it all it will do is. You know, it, it drive them to do even better to see if they can, you know, get close to winning that award again. It will just make them double their efforts again going forward mm. and making sure they, they maintain these standards because it's just a fantastic achievement.
3: Mm. I, mean, I mean, from the quotes, a lot of it looks like it says, you know, Merthyr has said, you know, they build football for every one of all ages, gender, ability, disability it sounds very much like it's not just about you know the first team and a results driven business you know it's a club that loves football instead of just loves winning and getting people in and things and i i I think that's what you know the heart of the game is getting people playing getting people enjoying playing Mm -hmm. at at the grassroots level
2: i completely agree dave because that's where because that's how you build a community is to is to reach out to it and say, Come and join us, come and enjoy the game, come and just take part of it however you wish, you know, be it through you know, through um like under sevens, like what James is involved with, all the way through to the over fifties walking football. Martha Tidville have probably got a very good idea of how they want to develop and look what it's got them. You know there can be a lot that can a lot of other grassroots clubs can take from what the way Merthyr have gone, reached out into the local area. Well, and, and
1: it uh, and it shows as well because, you know, their 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 first team, their men's first team, won the you know the Division One South and West last season. All right, they they're not struggling, but they're lower mid table as you would expect mm, being a promoter yeah. club, but they've got ex an ex Huddersfield Town manager in. Exodus Hill Town player in charge in Steve Jenkins just get that one in there (laughs) and um, you know they've got a decent a decent ground as well it's 10,000 capacity at uh, Penny Darren Park and you know everything about the club I think you know he's he's just onwards Mm -hmm. and upwards you know he's I mean we've you know we've touched the other side of the spectrum haven't we with uh, you know with Kiddie and Torquay and you know not not quite as dire straits but Halifax as well you know and Mm. you know, to end the show talking about a, a club that is very much upwardly mobile is you know it's fantastic and everybody that if I was the chairman of that club I would be taking everybody who's involved in the community side of things out for a very very fancy meal There's just just to show appreciation for mm. for all the hard work that they have undoubtedly put in.
2: And, well, of just, course, and of course, if you put that whole hard work in, they will not let it rest at that either. Oh, no, case, absolutely. Of, of, they'll all be saying, yes, we've won this award, but we can do more. We can do it better. We can improve on this. And if they've got that kind of spirit within the club to reach out to the community and keep bringing the community and getting them involved, then there's a club that you would, li- you would like to be part of because That's you good. then understand what football can do know in, in a community like mother
3: i completely agree rob and i'll add to that that if sort of local clubs non-league clubs small clubs see that there are sort of accolades and you know you you get that publicity if you know and you get your name out there you get your club promoted if you do really good work and i think more people at more clubs will work harder mm-hmm. if they know that that good work will then be Put out there and recognised, and you, for all other sort of awards bodies, will help promote that club for the good work they do.
2: Mm. Yeah,
0: but is the uh, is the thing? I'm just reading off the uh, the font of all knowledge, uh, obviously Wikipedia. Now, is the thing? I thought you were um,
3: under the lead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Checks in the past, Dave.
0: Well, I'm I'm, I'm all just reading that obviously Merthyr Town are uh, a relatively new club, only been formed five seasons ago. After Merthyr Tidville FC were liquidated, so they were they were they were liquidated. So, you know, although they finished 17th out of 22 clubs in Southern Prem, they obviously were then relegated three divisions, uh, which is always the way. And they've now so it's taken them five years to get back to where they were. But uh, interestingly, the last thing is the club is fully owned by the Supporters' Trust. So one of the things close to your heart, James,
1: is that they're a fan-owned club. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it looks like we're going to go another week without having a proper discussion about it. We do need to set aside a show, I think, to talk about fan ownership and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, that just shows how powerful it can be, doesn't it?
2: Indeed it does.
0: And that's what what I was thinking. How much of an impact that is to being able to win awards like this for the work you do in your community, because it's the community that owns it. Yeah, and Mm. it's the way it goes through.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you said, it's the community that run the club. It's so the the community are the club, and vice versa. You know, the club are the community. They're obviously so intertwined, you know, that you can't. You can't separate the two, and uh, you know, I don't think you'd ever want to, would you? With uh, no. the work they're doing, and, like I say, five seasons mm. they've been they've been going, and you know that's just. Incredible. I mean, we talk about FC United and how well they've done in 10, 11 years, and you know and you, they they've got to be close to, to pulling a, a grassroots award, but there won't be grassroots for long, I guess. They?
0: Would you like to hear a list? Because I have. I've, I've well. I found a page called "Fan-Owned English League Football Clubs," which is a misnomer because half of these aren't in the league. But uh, fan-owned English, like you've got Aylesbury United FC.
1: Mm. Yes, I'm on this page now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Banbury Bridge, Banbury, Bromsgrove, Canterbury, Chelsford, Chesham. Uh, Chester, there obviously Congleton, Croydon Athletic. We, we know the, the bigger ones like Darlington and yeah. people like Dorchester and Enfield, Exeter. It's so it's more course. and more, yeah, and more and more coming through. And I just wonder how much of a difference this move is making now for the teams and I say the, the community spirit in the places where they are. Because you do feel more involved. It's not just on a Saturday you go and watch the game, but you're more involved in the club. So I think you're right, James. We do need to have a, a full discussion about uh, this and, and just go through some of these clubs because we've obviously got bigger ones like Wickham who are fan-owned. And
1: the, and, and the biggest one, of course, would uh, arguably be Portsmouth in terms of fan base yes. and
2: mm.
0: And then you go down to the relegation candidates of AFC Telford. Mm. So it's a, and then you've got other other ones like AFC Lim, uh, Liverpool and Prescott Cable. So you've mm. certainly got enough there. That
1: Interesting. I, I assume Salisbury. Salisbury City would be a uh, fan uh, No, they're not. No, they're not, James. that <laughs> consortium that bought them in
2: Yeah, it? I think it was, yeah. One of the things I was interested in, and it's sort of like on this kind of subject, it's looking as if that along the lines of what FC United of Manchester do, and it looks like Liverpool fans are going to follow suit and do the same themselves. Can't With the FC Liverpool, yeah. Well, no. Uh, it's, uh, look. I think it's going to be a completely new club. I think it's a completely new club. I can't remember where I read it and I can't remember where I've seen it. But um, it's looking as if that that's what they're going to do. Well, yeah, I mean, here, here a, we are. Well,
1: AFC Liverpool was set up by Liverpool fans. No,
2: the, no, this is, no, this club's going to be called City of Liverpool FC. Oh. I'm um, hearing of this. Yes, well, I've only, well, I've only just picked yeah. up the paper. That's it. I've just found it's in the paper. Um, there was um, the first public meeting. Towards the formation of City of Liverpool FC takes place um, tonight, actually. They've already got. They've already got a badge. Yes, it take, it's on the seat. It's say the meeting is probably just taking place at the moment. So how about that? It's um, it, it, what's the um
1: kind of what what's because this is something we're going to have to talk about again. And I know we're kind of waffling on now, but what's 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 the um basis for this club? What what's the um. Is it's,
2: it, 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 in, in some respects, from what I'm reading, it looks like it's a very similar um, <coughs> viewpoint. They are like John W. They,
1: Henry, basically.
2: Well, and it's not that. I think they're just basically saying it's just getting to the stage where it's costing too much for the ordinary player, ordinary person to go and watch a game at Anfield. Ah, okay. And so they're wanting to make it a little more accessible. And as but far as they're concerned, there's a gap there, and they can fill it up. Hopefully, well, if they surely, do get the surely get that cl- place. Yeah, but surely that club was... That gap was filled by AFC Liverpool.
3: For yeah. Liverpool fans, though, perhaps not for sort of Evertonians and yeah. Merseyside-based yeah, fans it of, of other. Off ball, isn't it? Yeah. One, one thing I'd add to the um, fan ownership thing is that I think it'd be interesting to have a debate about the Ebbs Fleet model, which has been.
1: Mm. My deb- Football Club.
3: Kind of debatably, as it yeah, My Football Club, whether fan ownership needs to be local. And people who are match showing fans, or whether it, you know, it can work if it's, you know, if there's not a big enough local demographic to do it. Can it work if it's, you know, a global model based more on running a club than people who are specifically connected to that individual club?
1: Right. I am going to. I said last week off air when we stopped recording that I was going to do a. A survey for people, for fans to fill in. So I'm going to get that sorted, of, and we're going to set aside a show. No matter what's happened in the world of non-league, we're going to set aside a show at some point and, and have a proper chat about this because I, I think it's, uh, I think it's worthy of a to, show think yeah. its alone, to be honest. Mm. Mm. Maybe, I, the, you know, maybe. Well, so yeah, maybe a couple of weeks away, maybe two or three weeks from now, or something like that, possibly. Mm. Maybe next week.
3: if I
0: think any- a bit of research <laughs> needs to go in. Yes. Mm -hmm. and I need to be on a better internet connection (laughs) (laughs) so I would like to thank you all for uh, listening to us and uh, Dave where can we find your writings and musings out there on the internet
3: Well, you can find me on Under the Lead where James kindly lets me uh, write things and you can also find me on Twitter at Golden Vision 90 and thanks for having me on and thanks for everyone for listening
0: no it's been great again as usual dave and james under League, uh with writing from dave yourself and many other writers uh, still going strong
1: yeah yep yeah, it's going well And um, dave's selling himself a bit short there because he writes for a lot of a lot of blogs i know he writes for uh, is it 72 as well don't you um but yeah it's, yeah get along there all these all these uh, articles and interviews and the adventures are, are all on there at underleague.com. um and yeah, Facebook and Twitter as well is under the league. And uh, didn't get my player of the week this week. Oh well. It's been great. <laughs> Thanks for listening.
0: If, you, if you're desperate, James, you can <laughs> give your player of the week uh, now. Well,
1: I want I, I put forward Bracknell Town to be team of the week because they've got their first four points in, in, on Tuesday and Saturday in, in the league season. But uh, yeah, okay. Quick one then Shane Cooper Clark, their uh, top scorer. He turned down already this season four four approaches to uh, to leave the club. Uh, one from a Southern League team, um, for a division above, and one from crosstown rival Binfield, so they can keep their hands off. And uh, he celebrated that by getting a hat trick in midweek, and then set up the winner on Saturday. And uh, he's basically he's on 77 goals for the club now. He said he wants to get to 100, and he's he's have the club, So it's just nice to, come to show a little bit of loyalty. You know, especially when there's a higher club coming in with what would presumably be uh, more money and obviously a better level of football. And you because know, he wants to make his mark and be uh, go down in, go down in history, really, as you know, one of the all-time top scorers for the club. So, well done, Shane. Okay, so we'll put it,
0: we'll put Shane in for uh, Player of the Week. And Rob, you've uh, missed out on this uh, telling us about your lovely Twitter handle once again.
2: <laughs> I know, well, you know, everybody keeps looking so hard for these wonderful stories, and finally, I never get a chance, and to be honest, I'm quite happy to let people keep searching. Um, yes, I'm still out there on Twitter, I finally broke open my own football blog, um, Football As I See It, um, writing an article about, just the recent story about um, Hull City's Jake Livermore, and uh, I actually got, got a compliment from the... Hampton Richmond Borough captain about, uh, about such a thoughtful article about you know ab- about the game. And I thought, what have you been reading? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I'm out there with uh, football as I see it. Got the obvious occasionally. Twitter with at Rabid Robo. Yeah, one day you will hear about that. And still out there on Facebook for Hampton and Richmond and doing all the work. As, as always, the least thought of. <laughs> And uh, if you do want to tweet the
0: show, you can tweet the show at Non Pod or you can go to the website uh, uk. We've uh, Rob also neglected to tell you that he manages the Facebook page at uh, facebook.com/slash uh, the Non League Podcast. And uh, you can tweet at Libster Clark if you want to fill out the names because sometimes the websites of non league clubs aren't always up to date when it comes to the hat tricks and she's always helpful and always looking for help for people to do that but uh, really whatever you're doing I uh, thank you for listening mm-hmm.